Hello and welcome to this episode of Magic the Gathering Under the Hood. I'm your host, Chris, and I'm joined as always with Joe. Say hi, Joe. Hello, everybody. All right, so this episode is actually going to be a little different. This is going to be the last episode for 2021, and we decided to take a break from our usual structured episodes and do more of a year in review. We're going to be looking back on some of our favorite cards and sets and how we felt the year of Magic went, Um, and we'll talk about the decks that we've built and modified or played over the last year. Um, As always, feel free to contact us. Uh, by email at mtgunderthehood at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at mtgunderthehood. So like I said, this is going to be a year in review, Um, but this is not only the first Scuttlebutt episode that we're going to have, but it's also the first uh, episode that we're going to be recording uh, remotely due to everything that's going on uh, in this day and age. So if there's any uh, lack of quality or anything in this episode, this is why we're still testing the waters on this one. So with all of that out of the way, let's just start with standard. So I don't have any really standard decks. I haven't built any standard decks that I can remember over the last year. What about you, Joe? Yeah, I wasn't overly excited about standard when the year first started. But as rotation happened and we finally got out of the Throne of Eldraine world with all that fun stuff going by the wayside... I did decide to go ahead and give Standard a bit of a shot. So I did build an Is It Stitcher deck. It was it was real spell slinger deck based off around uh, red, blue, and poppet Stitcher, so that I could actually make tokens, uh, zombie tokens, and eventually turn flip the poppet Stitchers over and make more zombie tokens. But unfortunately, I never really got a chance to try it out. So. Um, it just didn't work out that way for us this year over at our LGS and not, no, nobody else around us was playing standard. So I haven't gotten a chance to try it out. Who knows? We'll see. It might still hold up come next year or I might trade it in for something completely different. I didn't invest much money into it anyway. It's just cards I had lying around. So not too much on the standard front for either of us. Just a little bit of, for me, a little, little dipping the toe into the water. Yeah. Yeah, and with my work schedule, it wasn't I wasn't really able to play standard at all and also LGS and everything like that. I mean, you gotta love this day and age that we're living in. So let's go in to uh modern. So for modern I had my um Bant Walls, which was a I had back when um uh Arcades came out and I think M twenty one I was I wanna say that was or whenever Arcades came out home i built a deck that was home built around arcades and being able to let defenders attack it so i rebuilt that one and then i actually turned it into a commander deck which we'll talk about later um i've also built a dimmer rogues uh demir rogues that you know that you've said that you've built and so i kind of i was going through my cards and realized that i had those you know a whole bunch of like good cards in there so i just threw those together and then my last one was uh uh red deck wins and that one's just like my aggro one because for legacy i built a burn one so what about you for modern the only modern deck that i got this year was my bant exalted i didn't really want to go too heavy into the modern format if anybody is not aware that right now modern is expensive (laughs) it's it's really expensive to play modern um 
but a lot of the expense doesn't go so much actually into the cards themselves, unless you're talking about a small number of cards. It's the land base that is overly expensive for modern to make sure you can actually get your mana fixed the way you need it. So anyway, I, I put a little bit of money into a Bant Exalted deck, and it's been fun. I really like it. Uh, some people have commented on how quick and aggressive it can be, and I like that. But well, we're going to see. I haven't finished the Demir Rogues deck. I even thought for a little while about turning it into Rakdos Rogues and using what is it? what's the uh, the thief, the thief from Throne of Eldraine. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, oh, Robber the Rich. Try and put Robber the Rich in there uh, to steal steal things from my opponents rather than simply throwing them into the graveyard. But we'll see. I don't know. We'll get there one way or another. So. Uh, I, I noticed neither of us are, I guess, overly interested in Pioneer <laughs> since neither of us built Pioneer decks this year. Uh, maybe something for next year. We could think about getting into Pioneer and trying to get our LGS interested in it. Who knows? Well, with my Bant Walls, that one is actually can be Pioneer. Um, I would just have to take out um, the uh, uh, I would have to replace some of the creatures because I think they don't work. I don't think they go back. I think they go back a little too far. And also, I think I might have a couple of fetch lanes in there. So to make the Bant Wall, the Modern Walls deck into Pioneer is no problem for me. I just have to switch out a couple of cards and it's Pioneer legal. But Pioneer is just that weird, like, state of, like, it's kind of like baby modern. It, yeah. It's, it's more, it's, eh, it's more along the lines of affordable modern. It really is, because with the fetch lands not being legal in Pioneer, but you can still have the shock land everything. It, Yeah, it did try to keep the costs down a little bit. But a lot of people just don't play Pioneer. A lot of people like the fast mana of Modern, and so we're not, not seeing a lot of Pioneer events pop up, So, which is kind of disappointing, seeing as how it's, it's, what, a year old at this point? Something like that, yeah. Like, it's a year too old. Like, it's still in its infancy. But moving back even further than that... You built a legacy deck. And yes. if I remember, it was kind of by accident because you simply needed a deck to play at Legacy. Yes. So uh, so Legacy Night came around and I just bought a Challenger deck for I bought a modern Challenger deck. Um and it was uh like red deck wins. And I just that's one of the few times that I just took first and only because it was so fast and aggressive compared to what everyone else was playing. And so I took that and I kind of retooled it because I, I found a bunch of my uh, burn spells. So I found like all of my lava darts, my lightning bolts, um, stagger shocks, searing blaze. And like, I just made it into a straight up burn deck and uh, it surprisingly fast and efficient and fun. Well, yeah, it's definitely fast and efficient. Fun for you, maybe. Fun for everybody else. That is yet to be seen. So, any legacy on your end? Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the the Demir Rogues I've been talking about. It, it really isn't modern legal, uh, as we as I had previously alluded to. No, because I'm putting Una's Thought Thief. Well, no, Una's Thought Thief is... No, no, not Thought Thief. Una's Blackguard. Alara is... No, Lorwyn's legal and modern, so... It is modern legal, um, but it was mostly designed as a legacy. So the Demir Rogue mill theme, we'll see again. I, I haven't finished it. I haven't certainly haven't gotten a chance to play it, 
I've even considered I'm, I'm already starting like swap out some deck or swap out some cards because I'm not overly excited about some of the things that are going on. And um, yeah, you know, realizing that with the release of Crimson Val, they released Infernal Grasp, which destroy target creature, lose two life. I'll gladly pay that anytime. That's easy. And there's an older card called Oubliette. It's an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, uh, target creature phases out until Oubliette leaves the battlefield. And it only costs one generic black black. So I got myself a play set of those. And I think I'm going to put Oubliette in there as well. Just as phasing creatures out sometimes even better than simply destroying them. So we'll see. Again, I haven't gotten to try it too much. Let's move away from some of those constructed formats, though, and let's get into something that we play a lot more frequently. Uh, let's start with some tiny leaders. All righty. Well, so to start it off, uh, just to uh, clarify what tiny leaders are. Tiny leaders is a uh, thing of it as commander light. It's uh, 50 cards rather than uh, 100 and no uh, and the highest mana value that you can have in your deck is three or less so um and that includes your commander for it so it's meant to be a smaller version of commander but also a faster version um so with that being out without all that being said by far my favorite one that i've built so far is my brewback one and that's just brewback mill because the commander is brewback the grand eloquent and what he does is he just simply doubles the mill effect. And with Modern Horizon 2, um, they uh, they released, uh, what is it, uh, Fractured Sanity, I want to say it is. It, it's a uh, three drop and uh, to mill 14, but with Brewback out, it mills for 20, 28. And so it, I can pretty much take out the entire deck with one with one spell. I know. Um, if I remember correctly, you did that to me. <laughs> twice. <laughs> twice, yes. Uh, yeah, it is, it's a powerful combination. Um, and then another one was uh, my, uh, what was, it's uh, like Lumina uh, Cryptozoologist. Um, she's the Simic one where whenever a creature, non-token creature comes into play, um, I investigate and then I can tap her and sack X uh, clue tokens to have target opponent reveal the top x of their cards and i get to and i pretty much get to steal a uh a creature from them uh i get to steal a creature from them uh from what was revealed and that one caught you off guard uh because the first time i did it you were like wait what yeah did not expect that one to be as powerful as it was uh and so i'm actually making her into a full-fledged commander deck just because it's so funny um, and then the last tiny leader that I really got to build and play was my uh, Runetail Kitsune. Um, I think it's Runetail. Yeah, it's Runetail Kitsune uh, Ascendant. I think it is. Or I might have the a little bit. Um, oh, you're right. Yeah. Um, and what that one is, um, it's a Kamigawa flip card. So um, starting life in tiny leader is 30 is like 30, right? Or 35, something like that. Uh, I want to say it depends. I think it's 25 or 30. Um, and Bruntail, uh, whenever you have a life total of, I think, 30 or higher, um, you flip him. And he becomes a legendary enchantment that prevents all combat damage, uh, prevents all damage to your creatures. Um, 
And so what I did was I would play him as fast as I can. And pretty much he would auto flip as soon as he came in. And then I could just have all of my little guys be blockers or whatever. And the real comp, the like win con that I had in there was the Heliod walking ballista combo because both of them are tiny leader home, tiny leader legal. And uh, so that one was just fun because it led to some interesting like interactions between my board state and yours because you had to figure out how to deal with my creatures without combat damage. Yeah, it was tough. <laughs> I think I lost miserably. <laughs> oh, yeah. P- plus, I think I had, because that one, I also have like White Sun Zenith in there, so I could just make a whole bunch of cat tokens and then it just gets shuffled back in. And I think like, I think I played White Sun Zenith for like three, shuffled it back in, mm-hmm. and then like two turns later, did it for like five. And so it was just getting a whole bunch of cat tokens out just to go wide and have fun. Yeah. So, <laughs> Those are my top three tiny leaders. What are yours? Oh, I only built two that, uh, that I'm really satisfied with. I had, you know, and of course we had one from last year, but we won't talk about it. Uh, I had Riel the Everwise with a card draw theme where it was mostly drawing multiple cards on one turn and getting bonuses off of that. So I had things like Iron Crag Pyromancer in there that would deal damage. I had uh, improbable alliance that would give me fairy tokens, things like that. Of course, Riel in and of herself, whenever you discard, uh, in, not only do you discard, but you draw cards as well. So when you, if you discard two, you get to draw two the first time. And then I would pair that usually with some more card draw. So I would end up just drawing a bunch of cards whenever I wanted to. And that one ended up proving to be pretty potent. That was probably the only one that gave your decks a real run for their money. The other tiny leader that I, I thought of was Grist, the Hunger Tide, and a little self-mill theme. Grist was one of those commanders that, first of all, he took the world by storm because he was a planeswalker that could be a commander without having to have the rule zero discussion or uh, without it being printed on the bottom of the card, this card can be your commander. So it was really, really cool to see Grist as an actual commander possibility. And so I wanted to build him into a full-fledged commander deck where I would use his first ability to mill insect insect creatures from the... the um, library into the graveyard eventually getting to his ultimate where i would cause everybody to lose life based off of the number of insect creatures that were in my graveyard unfortunately i didn't find quite enough insects to really make the full-fledged deck what i thought worth it so turns out he makes a pretty fun tiny leader deck he's not an amazing deck but it is one of those times where if i just want to have fun uh, it's something new. It's different. It's unique. Nobody else that I know, first of all, the small group of us that actually have, you know, there's only you, know, you me and one other guy at our LGS, I think that actually play tiny leaders, but it, it's something that no one else is. It's just completely different. And that's one of the reasons. I think that's all of our tiny leaders, if I am correct. I believe so. So that leaves the like meat and potatoes of this one. And that is commanders. Um, so how do you want to do this? Do you want to talk about like the well? Our... Okay, I'll, I'll, let I'll, let's let's start with this. Um, let me pull up the the full list here. So this year, this year, I built one nineteen nineteen commander deck. Um, of those nineteen, of those nineteen, I guess we're just gonna hit some of the highlights. I don't need to tell you all nineteen of them. 
Uh, let's see, some of my favorites from this year. Belby Corrupted Observer. This was a unique commander that came out in Commander Legends last year. And that one was built around actually giving myself mana by dealing one point of damage in small or small increments of damage to all my opponents so that I would end up with a lot of mana. Now, yes, at, at the post-combat main phase, opponents could end up with mana too, but it, it was just a unique deck. Again, it was something different. It allowed me to cheat out some really big creatures, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, my The next one that I'm really proud of was Yurlock, and this was a, a mana burn inspired deck. In fact, I'm going to play that one tonight because that was a lot of fun. And this one is, again, involving giving mana to my opponents and them not being able to use it. So they take damage from having that mana left in their pool. There was a Verizal, the uh, the split current kicker deck, which was just fun based off of Simic and the kicker mechanic. Uh, Ishai and Kedis. Now, this is a new one that I'm going to try tonight, too. And I'm kind of interested. Ishai and Kedis is actually it's a uh, Jeskai colored deck where he uses Ishai, Ojitai Dragon Speaker, and Kedis, who is the, the little uh, ember familiar from Commander Legends. Ishai comes out and gets a plus one, plus one counter every time an opponent casts a spell. Kedis lets commanders deal damage to everyone, even if they're only dealing damage to one of your opponents. So the idea is to get Ishai really big, make it basically invulnerable, don't even need to really add equipment to bigger and more powerful, just make it so that it can't get removed from the field and swing out once and let Kedis help deal damage to everybody. So I'm really excited about that one. Uh, there was Chainer Dementia Master, which was a nice mono black reanimator deck. That was fun. Chainer was always one of my favorite characters from the lore back during the Odyssey block. And I always, I, I've had that card for more than a decade now. It's one of my favorites, absolutely. There was the, the great pain of my existence when I built the Atraxa Super Friends deck. I was so upset with myself, but it really was the best way. A lot of fun. There was. <laughs> There was also my my greatest disappointment in my Grand Arbiter Augustin the Fourth Hate Bears deck. It was a blue white deck based off of just making life difficult for everybody, and it made life so difficult that I didn't even want to play it again after the first time through. It was just absolute. Uh, let's see. Oh, we built the Judge Breaker deck this year. Uh, I don't know if we ever talked about that on the air, but it was designed to help. Helped me study for the level one test. Just had a bunch of difficult interactions and that stuck around for a little bit. And then we got rid of that because, I, again, it just became too complex uh, for us at times. And even then, it wasn't exactly fun to play. It was mostly just something to do. But I think one of the ones I'm most pleased with this year, my werewolf tribal deck led by Tovalar. That was a fun one. Uh, finally got to build a deck that I had been itching to build for some time. And yeah, that was probably... So that kind of hits some of the big ones that we built this year. Obviously not all of them, but definitely some of the big ones that I built. Chris, uh, let's let's talk about your list because you have a, a rather extensive list as well. So I, I actually went just went through and like double-checked my list and everything and realized that I had some up there that I built that I ended up actually building last year. Um, I was going to say, I was surprised to see Ren and Sari on the list. I thought that was a last year build. Um, I think I, I think the only reason why I put Ren and Sari on the list was because I, um, I was, I'm in the process of redoing it. 
Oh, okay. Um, like re, uh, redoing it to where it's all cats so that I can have uh, the uh, the companion, the uh, orphan guard home so that I can have a companion with mine to give. Oh, yeah. Kahira. Right, right, right. So that I can have that as a companion so that I can have 100, technically 101 cards. Yes. Um, <laughs> so that's the only reason why. So that's the reason why Ren and Ceres on the list. Omnath, even though I've had that one for a couple for like a year or two now. I'm in the process of redoing that one into Hydra Tribal. So, or like Expel Tribal. Um, that way I can kind of get away from like having it be so overpowered that I can just do a lot with it to where I'm narrowing the focus of the uh, the deck a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Conrad, he's just been getting upgrades every time something new comes out, something new goes in. Oh, I know. Um, Arcades, uh, that one... I that one's in the same wheelhouse as Conrad with uh, all of my uh, like if there's a new commander or a new spell that comes out, I'll see how it runs in Arcades just to see if I can make it even more powerful. But the ones that I have built or actually rebuilt this year has been Veil of the Nightclad. I actually cracked a uh, um, I bought a pack and for and didn't know that Vela was actually on the list and Vela was in the pack and I was like awesome. I don't have to spend money for this one. And uh, so what Vela does is she gives creatures intimidate, which means they can only be blocked by creatures that share a color or artifact creatures. But I took it in a way to where all of my stuff is, all of my creatures are colorless. So they have to be blocked by artifact creatures and not a lot of people have a lot of artifact creatures. So it just turns into free damage. Um, And then I built three tribals this year. Uh, I built the Kumina Merfolk Tribal, um, and that one is pretty much self-explanatory. It's your generic Merfolk goodness all rolled into one. With a um, bunch of plus one, plus one counter theme to it as well, if I remember correctly. Yep. Um, and then Azuri Elf Ball, because you got to have elves. Um, I actually yep. just put the finishing touches on Tovalar last night, so I have a Tovalar deck as well. Oh, is that a full commander deck? It is a full commander, and nice. it'll be making an appearance tonight. Okay. Um, and if and I'm going to try out the last one that I actually put the finishing touches on as well last night, and that is my uh, Guafa control deck. Okay, explain this, because I have no idea what you're talking about, Guafa control. All right, uh, let me actually pull the card out. <laughs> so, uh, is it you? So, nope. Guafa is, is a card. Yes, uh, it is. Uh, nope, that's Tovlar. Oh, yeah, it's in my oh, not okay. today, not today, Satan. Um, Guafa Hazid, Profiteer. He's a legendary creature, human rogue for a generic, a white and a blue. Uh, he's a two-two, and he has an ability that if I pay a white and a blue and I tap him, I put a bribery counter on target creature I don't control. Its controller draws a card. Creatures with bribery counters on them can't attack or block. All right, I see how this is going to work. That's good. And and I have things like, and I made sure to put things like uh, the, uh, what's the, uh, the dinosaur that makes it to where everything, creatures enter the battlefield tapped. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, So pretty much I made it into a control deck. I also have like Sphinx's Decrees to limit, to not allow people to play instants and sorceries on their turns um what else is there um i ended up 
trying to i ended up finding a home for like a lot of my azorius planeswalkers and so it's somewhat super frenzy okay Uh, uh because i did find my three fairy and uh i also pulled a uh um the other like a couple weeks ago i pulled the uh teferi from uh midnight hunt so teferi who slows the sunset um and then i then i also realized that i had a three fairy so he's in there and then teferi master of time of course that's the 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 one from m21 right uh yes that's the one where i can blue one i can activate his ability his loyalty abilities um at instant speed on other people's turns Um, i'll tell you i'm excited to see it 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 seems like it's uh, an interesting deck um but don't be surprised if you get turned the arch enemy real quick well (laughs) <laughs> and it's actually quite funny because I was thinking about building it and my wife got me um, some sleeves and a deck box and it says not today Satan on it. And I'm like, oh, I know where <laughs> I know what cards are going into that oh, one. Oh, now it makes sense. OK, <laughs> so so I have that one. So that one's going to be played tonight. Um, And the last one. And this one I actually rebuilt because I had it built like a year or two ago and then I took it apart just because it was a victim of our one-on-one arms race. Okay. And I rebuilt my Yark deck, uh, Yark the Desecrated, so right. that uh, he's pretty much like Panharmonicon on a body. Um, so it's just full of good stuff in there. So I have that um, and that might make an appearance tonight. So I think... I think the three that I'm going to play tonight is going to be like Yark, Tovlar, and Guafa, if we can get around to it. If not, I'm definitely going to play Yark, and I want to try out Guafa. So, um, so favorite new deck? Mine, honestly, Azuri Elfball, because Azuri was actually one of my first commander decks that I built back when I we... Just, I've, I've played that deck, so it's um, just been extremely upgraded. Um, Well... Azuri was actually my first commander deck built. It was actually built back when we still refer to it as EDH. Um, Wow. So Azuri was my first commander deck that I built. And then over the years, I just kind of took them apart because I kind of got a little bored with it. Mm -hmm. But then with all the, with Keldheim and all the elves that came with it and uh, commander legends and all the elves and theirs, um, elves just got a lot of, a lot more, you know, support and new cards and everything. So I decided to rebuild Azuri, um, and so I have my Azuri Elf Ball again. Nice. Um, so Azuri is definitely my favorite one. What's yours? Well, it, it I, I kind of have two. Um, your lock is definitely I, I love that deck because it's so unique. And I remember that I played it a couple weeks ago uh, over at our LGS. And there, there's a couple new guys that play with us that, you know, just like got into the game within the last year and a half, you know, kind of an idea. But there are also a couple guys that have been playing for more than a decade. And we're talking a couple guys in uh, the, the 90s or early 2000s. And I started playing back when Mana Burn was still a thing. And even when I started playing again, you and I sat down and we were playing, playing the game. And, and I had talked about Mana Burn. And I, I remember you kind of looked at me and went, that's not a thing. And I, I was very confused that they got rid of it. But when I dropped your lock and told them what he did, the guy next to him playing for a while just raised his hands and went, mana burn is back. It was so good. You know, and I just, I love that idea. It's so unique. People don't see it coming and it, it puts them in a position where they're just, they kind of have no option. 
uh, and you're able to hurt, you're able to, to deal damage to everyone at once. But I think my the, then my other favorite one from this year is definitely Chainer Dimensioner. That re- I love being able to finally use that card in a way that really highlights abilities. And I've gotten, I've used it in a couple games already. It's just so much fun to be able to pull things out of other people's graveyards after I kill their creatures and everything. It's just, it's so much fun. And you just get to cherry pick and use everybody else's stuff. It's, it's great. I love it. Um, and again, it's something unique. You don't see chain or dimensions running around. They're just, they're not common. Kind of like your Guafa deck. I had never even heard of this card until you put it up here today. So I'm really excited to see that one in play. And I, I like those odd decks. Of course, all of our decks, we, we build so many, not all of them really turn out the way we hoped they would. And so I did have a couple that were kind of disappointed, but by and large, the most disappointed was really the Grand Arbiter August. I, I had I built the deck. I was all excited because like I'm not going to build a stack. I'm not going to do that to my opponent. Build a Hate Bears deck, something that's just going to make life difficult, but not imp- And then at the end of the day, it just slowed the game down so much. I wasn't having fun. My opponents weren't having fun. I put it away. I dismantled it. I put the cards somewhere else. Uh, in fact, a bunch of the cards from Grand Arbiter Augustine, the some of the controlling ones that'll help me out, went into Ishai and Kedis just to, you know, for protection. But it was just, it was so disappointing, so unfair that I just like, nope, we're done. Do you have any decks that disappointed you once it was all said and done? Um. Well, we'll see how the... Uh, um... We'll see how the uh, Guafa deck, because that's my first attempt at, this is going to be like my first real attempt at building a home, like kind of control style. And so it's a complete, it's completely different from my normal play style. So it might end up being a one-off for like tonight or something. Mm -hmm. Um, But if I had to choose from the ones that I listed previously, it might actually be Vela. Because really? of because of my because of my um, because of an error that I made in building the deck. I, oh yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, because I didn't have enough uh, waste uh, lands in there, so I couldn't really use it to its full potential. Now I have put more waste in there, and I have kind of tweaked the uh, mana base and everything, so it might do a little bit better. But um. That one kind of let me down, but that one was on me. Hey, we have that sometimes, you know, even people that build decks a lot and our listeners can tell we built a lot of decks here. You know, sometimes we just, we missed the mark and we weren't thinking of something that needed to be in there. And that's where we go back. We, we retune it and we figure it out. No big deal. Yep. All yeah. right. So, so we've talked about our favorite decks, the decks that we built um, all the diff- for all the different formats. Um, we've talked about ones that have let us down. So let's take a let's you know take a step back and look at the bigger picture. What has been your favorite set? My favorite set was Modern Horizons Two. That that set it had such unique interplay between all the cards. I mean, yes, it had a bunch of cards that really changed up the the way the game was played overall. And and yeah, it had a lot of powerful cards that got into the set. Got into the set. And some that you're going to find out even later, I don't honestly all agree with all of them and think that some of the cards shouldn't have been made. But at the end of the day, the way they designed that set and the way 
they they had created and crafted a set where not only the two color combinations worked had had a strong easily defined mechanic they were able to bleed over and make those two color combinations also into three color combinations that again had a clearly defined idea for how you play the color combination and there was plenty of support for everything also just the number of mechanics that were present in modern horizons 2 I mean, we're talking everything from Echo, Modular, we're talking, I think, re- Rebound and Retrace, Delirium, we're all in. So many different mechanics made an appearance in Modern Horizons. It was just, it, it was such a fun set to play, to draft, sealed, limited, and to use the cards in various other formats. I just, I loved it. It was so much fun. Chris, what was your favorite set? It was Kaldheim. Um, I'm, I really love like Norse mythology and the fact that we had a set that was based heavily on Norse mythology. It was so nice to see all of that. Plus, you know, it had that one chase mythic that everyone was after with uh, Vorn clicks. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that one actually, that caught my, t- that made me scratch my head on everything with, you know, how, like, how did a Praetor from Phyrexia, well, from New Phyrexia, get onto a plane without being a planeswalker. So that one set me down a rabbit hole. But just in general, like Kaldheim was so nice. Plus, it also brought back Snowlands and then also Snow Permanence. Yeah. Um, and like Kaldheim just is awesome, mostly and also because, you know, like all of the like notable Norse gods have been represented. Like Valky is Loki. Um I forget, but they have Thor. They have Thor represented. They have Odin represented. So they have like all the good, like it all in all, it was just a favorite set of mine just because it was so, in my opinion, it was so nicely done. And it was in, it was based off something that I absolutely like enjoy doing research on and everything. So Kaldheim takes the, takes the favorite. So what has been your favorite card or cards? Again, I, I've got I, I got some a, a tie here. I really like, and I hate that they've been dubbed this, but it's the slow land cycle from from uh, the latest Innistrad. We'll call it Block Midnight Hunt Angs and Val. They they come in untapped if you have two or more basic lands on the field. Um, I think these are just great, wonderful budget lands. They are, they're solid lands that have the two colors. uh, And we have both the ally and the enemy pairs. They're fantastic for commander players. Odds are you're going to have two lands on the field before you play these. And actually come to think of it, I don't think they're even basic lands. I think they just need to be two lands on the field, um, which again is just, it's amazing. And it's so, so good. So Having these available at a good price, easier for people to obtain. And yeah, just checking uh, one of them. Yeah, you only have to control two or more other lands. You don't even need to have basic a field for them. And they come in on. And then my other favorite is, is Tovalar. Uh, I have been wanting to build a werewolf commander deck for a long time, but there just wasn't the support for it. And I'm sorry, Ulrich, Master of the Crawlin Horde, you are not a good werewolf commander. <laughs> You're, you're just not, <laughs> even though you are the only option, you are not a good commander. Uh, so I was really glad to see Tovalar got in there. 
And we actually have a good werewolf lord who makes a great command um, and really lets me build that werewolf deck that I had always wanted to build just the support. So those are my picks for my favorite cards, the Slowlands and Tovalar. Chris, what is your favorite card from this year? All right. So it's a tie between like all of them and the Mystical Archive from Strixhaven. So like all of the cards that like in a standard set, you got things like um, Harmonize, Divine Gambit, like all of these like wonderful, really powerful cards and everything from pretty much all of Magic's history. And they have special artworks. Now, I'm going to preface this with it's I love all of the cards except for one. And that's my least favorite card. And that's Faithless Looting only because the art on it is so horrible as the yeah. mystical archive but i digress so there i just covered my future <laughs> one oh but the mystical archive like any chance that i get and i ha- i can throw in and i can throw in a mystical archive card that i have over like the original over like a normal one i'll definitely go with the mystical archive because in my guafa i actually have home um, my uh foil approach the second sun from the archive so i have so all of my decks, I try to put in some mystical archives just because they look so beautiful. So that's my favorite card. Duh. Um, <laughs> and uh, so what has been so favorite set, favorite card. So let's go to the other side of the coin with least favorite set. Mine has been like Time Spiled Remastered because and looking at the show notes, that's also one of yours. And it's pretty much for yeah. the same reason. And that's like and that's lack of availability like it's hard to find those i think the only time that i saw them was whenever they first came out and then yeah. like stock dried up and nobody had them in well, and not only the lack of availability but also the price point uh, it was it would have been one thing if time spiral remastered was included about half new cards but it was literally all reprint and they were charging double the price to get a box of them at least double I, I don't even remember exactly what it was. But yeah, it, it just seemed like the whole thing could have been executed so much better. Between lack of availability and the exaggerated price, it really did keep a lot of people from their hands on cards. Like, And I didn't play when Time Spiral was originally out. So I thought this was a great opportunity for people to, who didn't play during that time to get their hands on some of these cards. And uh, it was great. Wizards would have made money. It didn't matter how they released it or if it was or at what price point they would have made money. But because of the way they they put it out, it was just so dis. I guess my other set that I was least satisfied with this year was actually Forgotten Realms. Uh, I I guess I, I think Forgotten Realms does a good job of standing by itself. But when you start looking at how it fits in with all of the other sets, I don't think it's going to make that big of an impact in the long. And it just it disappoints me that they were they were really trying to do a nice crossover between the, the different IPs, the different intellectual properties that Wizards owns. And it just it, it, I just think it flopped in the big scheme of things. It, it was good by itself. Good by itself. I like drafting it. I like uh, I like doing sealed events with it. And it has some individual cards that are interesting. But overall, the set. Just not really what I was looking for. Yeah, I, I kind of feel you there. I mean, it's, I was happy, like, to see it just because 
I've played Dungeons and Dragons. So to see stuff that I've encountered in Dungeons and Dragons and on cardboard cards, it just, you know, made me feel good and everything. But I definitely share your sentiment with it's good by itself, but in the scheme of things, it doesn't really fit well. Um, yeah. So I already said my least favorite card. What's yours? Ragavan. And it, it's not even that Ragavan, I mean, it, is a, it is a powerful card. It is. Don't get me wrong. It's a very powerful. But it's one of those cards that because Wizards pushed it so much, everyone is going after it. And it's already hard to find to begin with. And then, so you have to base, and I can't tell you how many packs of Modern Horizons 2 I cracked. It was a lot. Like I actually, there's a lot that I, you know, I did with Modern Horizons 2. I could not find one of those monkeys. And then the, the card by itself is about 80 bucks a pop. And sorry, that's just, that's, that's not happening for me for a, a luxury cardboard rectangle. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not going to drop $80 on one card just so I can put one into a commander deck thing or, and now you basically it's become a staple in any red deck in the modern format. So, or even legacy or vintage. Uh, there's a lot of people that are running Ragavan. I just think that the card should not exist. It should, uh, it, it should not have been printed. And because it has changed the dynamics of modern and other formats, and it has actually caused the price of playing modern to increase rather than decrease. And it has made it less accessible less accessible that is to people to get into the modern format i wish wizards had never printed it but i know a lot of other people don't share my my opinion and that's okay come on joe tell us how you really feel i know so i guess now that we've talked about all of uh, those all the cards and the decks that we've built we really are a podcast that's based around mechanics and the, the various ways that we play magic so there's been a lot of new mechanics that have released. We had Fortell, Boast, and Snow, and Kaldheim. Lesson Learn, Magecraft, and Ward, and Strixhaven. We also had modal double-faced cards and sets. In Forgotten Realms, we had Venture into the Dungeon, Flavor Words, Rolling a D20, and Class Cards. We had Midnight Hunt, Introduce Us to Daybound, Nightbound. We had Disturb, Coven, and Decayed Zombies. And then in Crimson Val, we had Training, Cleave, Blood Tokens, Daybound, Nightbound, Disturb, and Exploit. And that was just in the standard legal sets. Uh, and then, you know, we, of course, we had many things from Time Spiral Remastered, but we won't get into those. So, Chris, what was, out of those mechanics, the standard legal ones, what was your, like, least interesting one? The one you just found so blah, not really exciting. Honestly, it would have to be the whole venture into the dungeon, just because, like... It's it just seemed like a lot of a lot of hoops to jump through for not that much payoff just because some of the things like some of the rooms in the dungeon just weren't like all of that good. But I can see why if you were able to venture multiple times and you know do that, it would be a good payoff. But you would have to have a deck that's just solely built around venturing in the dungeon. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What about you? Uh, actually, I, I did not like the decayed zombies. <laughs> um, I really thought initially that the decayed zombies were going to be a big thing. And I, I guess I thought they were going to be more useful than what they were. I don't know. I, I was kind of disappointed with, with decayed zombies. I didn't think they were overly interesting. I know they can be used for, you know, like for sacrifice fodder. And I know in the Wilhelt uh, commander deck, 
decayed zombies are huge and that it makes a big difference but in in standard you don't see them used outside of standard they aren't used it's like kind of a limited thing and even then you got to hope you get the right support to really make the decayed zombies useful so i was i was really disappointed with the whole decayed zombies idea and if you have to ask me do you want a decayed zombie or a regular zombie i would take a regular zombie every single day what about your most interesting mechanic? The one you like the most? Me too. Sorry, three. Um, the snow from uh, Kaltheim, Magecraft from Strixhaven, and Flavor Words from uh, Forgotten Realms. Uh, the snow, like I said previously, just because they brought it back and it's so nice. Right. Magecraft, extra payoff for already playing the game. And we've already seen how kind of broken you can kind of get it. Um, and then the flavor words, just because there's some of them with the flavor words, that's like, like reading some of them, I can hear one of my old DMs saying that to me, like the, uh, yeah. um, the one that pops to mind is a guard approaches and you can either do a, like, do you do this or do you do this? And it's like, I can hear my, like, I can hear like either my dungeon master or like my party members going, mm-hmm. well, we can knock them out or we can yeah. kind of hide in the shadows. I was like, so it, it's it's just one of those things that kind of brings back memories for me that those ones are all good for me. Yeah, apparently I'm making noise on the computer. <laughs> I think, uh, actually, I'm, I'm actually going to take a bit of a different stance on you when it comes to venture into the dungeon. I actually thought this was one of the more interesting mechanics that they developed this time around. Um, as far as, as, as far as it goes, um, I, I know it's not very useful outside of limited, but I thought it was a really unique concept, something that had plenty of support. You could definitely use it and make a a solid deck around it. And if you did spend the time and really commit yourself to the venture concept, you got some pretty nice payoffs at the end. So I, it was one of my favorite ones, mostly because it was interesting not because I particularly want to play it or think it's going to be very used environment, but I did think it was very clever, very unique, and, and something thematically fit really, really well with the actual the actual concept of Forgotten Realm. I also did like Ward, mostly because I know they had been trying to figure out how to get like the whole hexproof shroud protection thing, something that was a little more reasonable and manageable. Like it deterred players from targeting a creature, but not really made it so that it was you couldn't interact with the creature anymore in any way. So uh, I know when we first, when Ward was first spoiled, I was pretty harsh, but in playing with the mechanic and actually in, in practice, I think it's a really nice balance right now. Some of the Ward costs might be a little high, but I think it's reasonable. You can still get around it and turrent, but it's not an all out inability to interact with I like yeah, Venture and Ward. What I'm looking forward to the most is there are enchantments and creatures and spells that give the player themselves like hexproof and stuff like that. Yeah. I am waiting for an enchantment that says you have Ward X or you have Ward blank. Right. I- I'm just waiting for that one because then, you know, once that one comes around, then yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to grab a place out of those and throw them in wherever I can just to make it make, you know, the game's a little bit more interesting to have to get creative on how to do stuff. I'll be happy when they finally say destroy target emblem and opponent controls. Yes, that once they do that, I'll be happy. We'll be good to go. (laughs) Yes, because as of right now, ever since they created emblems, they have not 
created a way to deal with those emblems and like i can kind of get why they haven't because if your opponent can get an emblem the game's pretty much over right but you should enable me an opportunity to interact with that emblem because maybe it isn't and getting that ultimate getting that emblem should not immediately reward your opponent with almost a guaranteed win i mean it it isn't but it almost like 90 percent of the time they're probably going to win the game yeah you know and that's i just no, you should let me be able to interact with that emblem and get rid of it so that we can continue playing because I, I still have a fighting chance. If it weren't for that emblem, I, I'd be okay. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, maybe next year. We'll see. So i tell you what, Chris, we have covered quite a bit of information on this episode, and, and I think this has been a great wrap-up for our year. I do, too. Um, Anything, la- any last-minute things you want have come to mind well we yeah close out you know what um our our audience probably doesn't realize this but we're coming up actually on one year of working on this podcast together we i know we started talking about this a little more than a year ago and we've actually we, we made our first recording january of this year so even though we didn't get it released until like may until we finally got all the details ironed out uh, we've been working on this podcast in a year. And like I said, it's it's been almost one year since we made our first recording. So I just want to thank our, our people that are listening to us. Thank you for sticking with us. And if you do have any comments, suggestions, you have questions, let us know. Um, I mean, one of my big accomplishments this year was I, I did get my level one judge rank. Uh, well, certification, not rankification. And so I, I am extremely proud of that and pleased with that. Between all of this, if you have questions, thoughts, comments, suggestions, rules questions, you just, you know, you're interested, especially if you're a less experienced player and you just want somebody to reach out to, hey, please do send us an email, Facebook, Twitter. We are happy to talk with people and get back with them. So thank you to our fans for sticking with us for this year. And we look forward to some great stuff next year as we go forward talking about new sets and new mechanics. All righty. And with that, we're going to call this episode to a close. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to reach us, reach out to us at mtgunderthehood at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at mtgunderthehood. With that being said, hope you have a wonderful year, and I hope this coming year is full of excitement and joy and intrigue with all of the new sets that we are going to be looking, that we are looking forward to seeing. And as always, I'm Chris. And I'm Joe. We look forward to delving deeper under the hood with you. Stay tuned in our next episode. Let's go play some magic.